I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETFs for the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of Focused Wealth Management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focused Wealth, and Michael Passante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Larry. How are you? Mike, how are you? How are you? Um, Okay, today's first question is from Sharona, and she asks, in light of recent political developments, I was curious as to the steps you have taken to manage our portfolio. Okay, so at the end of the year, uh, beginning of this year, in our annual firm economic and market update, uh, which was a 45 uh, to one hour uh, video that, that we put out to our clients, uh, we talked about the, the risks uh, of the geopolitics of, of the moment, uh, specifically Russia, Ukraine, and, and Belarus and, and Ukraine. And uh, obviously, some concerns were there. Um, so going into an environment like this, again, you want to be conservative. We knew that we were going into a, a, an environment where rates were going to go higher and that bond portfolios uh, could lose money as rates go up. At one point, the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index was down 4% this year, only the second time since 1958 where we've had back-to-back years down about 25 to 3% last year, down 4% at one point this year in bonds. And the question to us was, why are you holding bonds if they're losing money? You hold bonds in your portfolio as a stabilizer, again, to, to when markets go down as a buffer uh, to, to large losses. Now, we also know that in inflationary times, like we're in right now, uh, if the 12-month inflationary period runs, runs too hot, that stocks and bonds do have a bad performance. So when you have weeks like you've had this past week, uh, and geopolitics rare, you know, roars its head. Uh, if you have energy in the portfolio up tremendously, um, you know, it might be a good time to pair holdings like that back. Uh, our outlook on Europe uh, has changed. Um, you know, originally we had exposure to Europe, uh, and and I don't think, given uh, the commodities that come out of Russia, that uh, you know, uh, and given the euro and how that can trade uh, with war on the continent. Uh, I don't think that that's the spot to be right now. I prefer being mostly in the U.S. Uh, strong domestic build portfolio. When you look around and when you have bad weeks like last week, its small cap value is down 25% from its highs. If you have little exposure to an, a category like that, that's based on Main Street, you know, U.S. economy getting better and reopening, et cetera. Everyone, you know, we're, we're losing sight that the economies are reopening now, right? And that's big, especially on Main Street. And there's some value out there. And what about large cap tech that everyone didn't like because rates were going to move up in the duration trade? Uh, you know, I don't know how much exposure large cap tech has to Russia uh, in a Ukraine war. I think it's very little. I think Russia's economy is very minute. And I hate to make, you know, um, light of, of the humanitarian situation uh, and, and the war situation, but Russia is not a big economy. It's not globally important. Now, if there was a nuclear type of, you know, uh, threats and whatnot. Yeah, it's disconcerting. Uh, but as long as that's off the table, uh, this is not an economic event other than in the oil uh, and gas sector. If we don't counter with with pumping out of the U.S., which is a mistake, we should be we should be pumping some oil right now to drive the price downwards. Um, so you have to use these opportunities uh, to take advantage, to nibble, uh, to not fully commit, but but to make good moves um, and prepare for what's next. Just like in the beginning of the year. Uh, we were concerned going into it, you know, what what this could lead to. 
And that goes to show when, when, it, when great asset classes go on sale, you got to buy them. Uh, and when they go up in value, um, you got to prune a little bit. So that's how we're managing the portfolios at this juncture. So what asset classes are on sale right now? So I think small cap that I think small cap uh, last week um, down 25% from one point at, from its highs. I think that that was a, a terrific buy. I think large cap tech down about the same from its highs. Again, you know, Google, Amazon, Microsoft. Um, I don't know how much exposure. Tesla was down at 750 at one point. I don't know how much exposure some of these companies really rely on sales uh, to Russia for. Um, I think they can have their great earnings. And I don't know that runaway interest rates, if it happened and it's not, as of this morning, hey, that 10-year treasury broke 2% on geopolitical concerns. You saw foreign buyers coming night after night now. Uh, as of this morning, Tuesday, uh, you got the 10-year down, you know, uh, below 1.87. Um, and, and these are, you know, this is pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty good, you know, backing off. Um, so I'm sorry, 1.78, um, backing off a little bit. So, um, you know, I don't think interest rates really run away. And I think when you look at tech, I think when you look at small cap US, um, that's where certainly some values uh, could lie. Yeah, I tend to agree a lot about that. And over the course of the last two to three weeks, we've kind of been talking about the duration trade in terms of hey, bonds. Look, last week, we, that, I'm sorry, Mike, last week, you're right. We talked about bonds, right? Down yeah. 4% on the ag. You want to make a quick one or 2% without a, you know, with just interest rate risk, maybe you go there too, as we said. Yeah. With yields going back down. And I mean, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, if you think the Fed can hike six times into an economic slowdown, you believe in unicorns. Yeah. The projections for rate hikes have now gone from seven to five, and those are going to keep going down because the Fed's not going to be able to hike rates into a global slowdown. And I'll describe a little bit of a different scenario, right? I mean, Russia is currently fighting two wars, an economic war and a military war. One war they absolutely cannot win, and that is the economic war. If they are isolated completely from the global economy, that's going to, yes, that's going to be a slowdown in terms of the global rates of growth, because certain areas are going to be are going to have to pay higher prices for both energy and utility costs. But if you see sectors that are cyclically exposed to the economy, be uh, the global economy and the U.S. economy begin to slow down, but tech and certain other areas can maintain their rates of growth, then the same people that were you know chasing tech in 2000, or I'm sorry, 2020. Um, who are probably chasing energy now. Yeah, energy could remain bid for a little bit, but tech and small caps have now gone down. And if they can maintain adequate levels of growth with a deceleration in certain other spaces, assets are going to flow into tech. So it's kind of like a round trip. <laughs> what we've seen these asset the classes the when they correct, right, Mike? That, that's, you know, value managers, right, with a tilt towards value bias. We want to buy great asset classes as they are unloved and go down in price. Yeah. Clearly these sense. things are not going to reverse trend in a day or two or even a week or two. It's yeah. going to take time, but th th this will, will settle out. And I think you're also dealing with this deceleration in growth and these volatility events, which we said in COVID volatility clusters, you can either have volatility and the VIX jump up to 30 and recede or stay there. This is trending volatility. So it's a regime shift and you have to take time and be patient for it to play out. Okay. In light of all that you've just said, at the firm's market update earlier this year, you were bullish on Europe. 
And in light of the potential negative issues the Russia-Ukraine situation brings up for Europe, what's your view on European stocks now? Not as good. I mean, it, it's one of these situations where the circumstances have drastically changed. And one of my favorite investing quotes ever is from Stan Druckenmiller, who I view as one of the best investors of all time. Or he said, probably one of the greatest assets over my last 30 years that I'm open-minded and I can change my mind very quickly. And I think in light of these circumstances that, yes, Europe had a bullish fundamental thesis where their economies had not reopened. You still had low interest rates across the board, a decent amount of pent-up demand. And it looked like that the ECB was going to remain favorable and keep rates low. Well, now they're dealing with a war right on their borders and a potential surge in utility and energy costs. And it's not as easy for them to deal with that surge in utility and energy costs. Certain estimates show that Germany and some other areas of Europe have the ability to maintain and sustain their energy for another year and a half, given how much supply that they have built up. But this isn't going to be something that's going to be rectified quickly. And with rising inflationary costs, particularly in, in the energy and utility space, you're looking at a circumstance where the cost of living is going to increase substantially. So that hurts the purchasing power of the consumer over in Europe. And there could be European industrial companies that do well with Germany now ratcheting up its defense spending. But on the aggregate, the outlook there continues to remain very bumpy right now, especially with the reopening trade potentially halted a little bit. So, yeah, and, and, you know, Mike, to your point, right, when you're looking at the euro this morning, uh, 111.5, 1.115, a little bit too high, right? Uh, I could see the euro in the 105, 106 range. Um, so if 95% of investing internationally is predicated on currency uh, fluctuations, you have a tough headwind uh, with the euro dollar relationship right now. And, uh, you know, to your point, it's it's just, yeah, sometimes you change your mind and, uh, you know, there's still value there, but it's not appealing uh, because of the, the situation on the ground. Yeah. And to your point before, Phil, a lot of the discussion that you made and to answer the first question was, you do things to mitigate volatility when it rises so that you can manage the aggregate of the portfolios. And looking at a situation where the European recovery now looks very uncertain, and I mean, at some point it could happen and manifest, but ultimately it's better to be in a little bit, assets that have a little bit more clarity and less of a volatility profile in the short to intermediate term. And you've seen European markets break down across the board here as a result of this, which shouldn't be that big of a surprise. Oh, in yeah, light of all of that, I'm, I'm sorry, Phil, do you want to keep going? I'm just looking at the German Bund, which is their 10-year sovereign debt, right? So our 10-year uh, was close to 2%, a little bit over, right? Now it's 176 as of this morning. Backed off tremendously. I mean, that's a 25 basis point rate cut right there, right, Mike? So there's yeah. seven times that Goldman and I think Morgan Stanley came out and said, that's that's down, right? That's I mean, the 10-year is not showing that. The German Bund, which was positive, is just barely holding on to being positive. Don't forget, that was negative for close to a decade, negative about 25 to 50 basis points. Uh, that this morning is at 0.002 positive. So rates have backed off there as well. That was maybe 25 basis points positive. So it's going to be tough, man. The feds of the, the, the central banks of the world are in a pickle here with these inflationary numbers, especially Europe. Uh, US definitely has more control of the situation. Probably instead of seeing rate hikes, uh, which you'll see, 
it might be tandem with, you know, to our other point, not Operation Twist like was done to rain and liquidity, but uh, they'll probably be more cognizant of the short end uh, and, and propping that up with something uh, that that's never been seen before, aside from a rate hike. I think that they're going to have to really go the non-traditional route here, a little bit of the traditional route, but then a new tool that we've probably never heard of that everyone and their brother will be talking about a year from now. Yeah, I mean, when this happened and Russia invaded Crimea, um, the Fed, particularly in that time period, paused on some of their policies because of global geopolitical risks. And I expect for that to happen once again. For the Fed to hike rates substantially into this type of a global geopolitical environment, that just isn't going to happen, especially in a midterm election year. You go back to the first Gulf War, right? 91. I mean, which, you know, that was the bastion of the world's global oil supply at the time, right? Uh, Kuwait, um, you know, Greenspan was able to lower rates and, and provide, you know, easy money um, and make sure liquidity was in the system because oil at that point went, you know, north of 75 a barrel. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's going to be some tough decisions uh, that Powell's got to make here. So in light of all that, do you think the recent low is the bottom for this correction? Or are we going to see a big drop again and just have continued volatility? Well, this is really interesting because I do think that the recent low will be has the potential to be an intermediate term low. I don't know if it'll be the ultimate low. Um, one interesting element, which uh, we uh, Phil and I were talking about last week, is to make bottoms, you need to have stocks hold up a little bit better than the indices and the averages. And at least last week, the averages made new lows, but the number of individual stocks making new 52-week lows actually contracted. And that's what you want to see in terms of the formation of a bottom. And you're seeing certain areas of rotation, yields going down. You know, We talk about markets climbing a wall of worry sometimes. And initially, the wall of worry that was taking the market down was the Federal Reserve. And I think that it priced in a lot of these rate hikes. And now as rate hike expectations come back down, you have another wall of worry out there that's Russia and Ukraine and everything that's happening with the European Union trying to go back and forth and contest that. So the and wall it really of worry was close. You almost had a double bottom too. You know, yeah. if you go back to early January, uh, late January, I'm sorry, uh, you almost, I think you put in a double bottom and that's what it looks like. The conditions are there for that to be an intermediate term bottom. Um we may have to go back and retest it a third time, potentially. And that, that's my thought, because the economic data is certainly going to weaken over the course of the next few weeks and months. So that's the loan concern that I really have. Um, also, in uh, midterm election years, you usually see weakness earlier in the year in the February, March uh, time period. And we're, we're seeing exactly that. So the seasonality calendar is kind of playing out a little bit here. So um, it could be. Uh, I, I still hold a, a little bit of concern due to the economic data weakening that we could see a, another whoosh lower, um, but I don't see material weakness. I, I saw a chart last night talking about how we've had two consecutive down months and th of, of about 3%. And outside of a recession, it's rare to see a third consecutive down month to that extent. So March's seasonality is a little bit better. And again, we don't just anchor to these seasonality things, but they have to be taken into consideration with bearish sentiment so high and bullish sentiment so low. Um, you could see a couple of positive things manifest and the markets hold together uh, over the course of the next few months. So we'll have to see what happens. And it's going to be a rough year. It's not going to be a great year, I think, to be an equity investor. Yeah, just more difficult. The last few years have been so good. Yeah. 
Okay, well, thanks, guys. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our new email at question at the new address is question at twoquestiontuesday.com. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, everyone.